Blog Talk Radio. saying good evening, but it is 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, the day after an amazing day of college football. We want to go early today. I know Labor Day is coming up. People have plans. People are going to be out of town, so we're going to do it early. I have plans as well this evening, so wanted to make sure we get a show in. We can't leave out week one of college football, so a lot. My voice is about gone, so forgive me if I don't sound as... as, uh, as beautiful as I normally do. Okay, I'm sorry, but uh, a lot of screaming yesterday, and I'm not not used to screaming for about a year. So just wanted to say hello to everyone, and I hope people call in today and talk about their team. Week one is very interesting in college football because a lot of people overreact to that first week. We remember last last year Texas A&M beat South Carolina, Kenny – Kenny Trill threw for about a thousand yards and anointed Heisman Trophy winner already, and then they fell off the earth and they fell off the map. So anything can happen week one, but the important thing you do in week one is you survive and you move on. We're going to talk a lot about what happened yesterday, but first, you know, Tom Brady, all you fantasy owners out there doing a draft, football starts this Thursday night. Tom Brady will play. Jonathan, I don't know how excited you are about this, but, you know, the NFL was, I mean, they were forced to, to put Tom Brady back in. I just don't understand why he was suspended to begin with, but what do you think Adele's going to think um, with this judge actually making making Brady eligible to play? I found it interesting, and I like the technicality the judge got the NFL on. Uh, which was the NFL didn't let Brady know that he could be suspended for what happened, so you can't suspend him. Uh, It's a good technicality to get him on. It actually cleans up the mess pretty well. And and essentially tells Goodell, hey, look, we we know what you were trying to do. It's cute. It was sneaky, but you failed. We got you. Let it go. Uh, He's going to try to appeal, but... There's no way, you know, that, that the decision by the judge gets overturned. I don't believe yeah. there is. Sorry, Goodell, you, you you punk. You need to worry about people, you know, uh, beating their wives, knocking people, knocking women out in elevators right now. Don't worry about a ball being reduced to, to make it a little more comfortable for a quarterback to throw. This is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And right now the NFL is the NFL, and it's, the ratings are high because of fantasy football. You said it last week, Jonathan, it's changed the game of football. Without Tom Brady being in there, I mean, really, who's going to watch the Patriots play? Would you watch the Patriots play knowing Tom Brady wasn't going to be in the game unless you had their backup on your fantasy team. I just I just don't see anybody watching the Patriots unless you're a Patriots fan. Yeah, without Brady, the Patriots do lose a lot of their, their draw. Uh, that that's that's a definite fact there. I, I definitely agree with you on that because 
not too many people are all excited to watch Jimmy Garoppolo play quarterback yet. Um, you know, let's just be honest. And, you know, a lot of people might tune in that first game that Brady's not starting just because they don't like the Patriots and they want to see if they'll lose. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I think Brady is the face of New England at this point, and, you know, the team's popularity rides with him. Yeah, and then you got to, in my fantasy team, you know, I wish I would have known we had a draft last Sunday or last Saturday night. Had I known Brady was going to be eligible the first four weeks, I wouldn't pissed away a draft pick and drafted Eli Manning. I could have gotten someone better. So thanks a lot, Judge. Thanks for not making this a week sooner. Thanks, Goodell. Now you've really screwed my team up. And it it can really mess your draft up, Jonathan, in a keeper league. I mean, you, I had to go after a quarterback in a two-quarterback league. I had Cam. He just lost his best receiver. And then now, no Brady. I could be in trouble. So I had to go out and, in a desperation move and draft a quarterback. So now it really changed changes my team, so maybe I can still luck up and make the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, at least you drafted Eli Manning, who has Beckham and Cruz, instead of drafting, mm-hmm. like, you know, Andy Dalton. Yeah, exactly. I did have a reason, a method for my madness, but who plays this Thursday night in the NFL? Who starts us off, the Patriots and the Steelers? Yep. All right. So see, and then also, how boring would that have been Thursday night? A Pittsburgh team playing New England with no Tom Brady. It just it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. No, it wouldn't have. Roethlisberger and Brady, as much as people, I don't think, give it credit, they have a nice little rivalry going back and forth. Uh, and I think it's fun to watch those two teams square off when both quarterbacks are playing. Well, we will, I promise you. This Wednesday night, we're going to do a program. We're going to do a show. We're going to talk a lot, a lot, a lot of NFL football. We may even talk some at the end of this show. But today, Jonathan, week one of college football, give me – you tell everybody out there, so you're you're looking at everything week one. I want you to tell the listeners out there the number one thing, maybe two things, not to overreact to after week one. All right, well, let's not overreact to Texas A&M's win over Arizona State. Um, You know, Arizona State, I think, is an overrated football team. I think they've been overrated for a while. It's like the St. Louis Rams. We've all been waiting for the Rams to win 10 games, but they haven't done it, but we're going to keep predicting them to win 10 games. And that's what everybody's doing with Arizona State. They haven't won the Pac-12 yet, but they're going to win the Pac-12 because we think they're going to win the Pac-12. And I think that's what we saw with A&M. Plus, it wasn't a home site game. It was a, it was a home game for A&M. It was not neutral site. Don't, don't let anybody kid you. Um, let's not overreact to A&M's win and Arizona State's loss in that game. And, and, and just another one, to be honest with you, I had to see this to believe it. Please don't overreact to Florida hanging 61 on New Mexico State. Let's not do that, guys. It's New Mexico State. They've consistently been one of the ten worst teams in college football for a decade now. Just because Florida hung 61 on them doesn't mean their offense turned it around. They couldn't figure out which quarterback to play last night. They wound up playing multiple, seeing if anything gelled right. Let's wait until they play Tennessee before we decide if Florida's got an offense or not. Well, it's good, good too. I, I agree with all of them, and especially that first one. 
that I mentioned, but but let me let me throw something out there, not to over exaggerate. If you're if you're an Auburn fan, don't don't over exaggerate Jeremy Johnson's struggles last night. To me, I mean, bad days happen. First game of the year, Louisville's defense is probably a little better. Had a lot of time to prepare. Jeremy Johnson made some dumb, stupid throws, but. I just don't think it's time to throw Jeremy Johnson out right now and just say he's worthless. Let's let's see what happens in the next few weeks. That's number one. And the number two thing is, Alabama fans, please don't walk around acting like Wisconsin's the best team in the Big Ten and you just thrash them. Wisconsin sucks. I mean, really and truly, they suck, Jonathan. I don't know what you think, but I'm hearing a lot of Bama fans talking about the championship now how they're back and everything, how Coker's the best thing since sliced bread. But that Wisconsin team was pretty bad. Would you agree with that? It's, you know, it's definitely a weird day when Wisconsin only runs for 40 yards. And, and that that's very telling. If Wisconsin can only run, the, run for 40 yards, I'm surprised they're able to put up points at all. Uh, Coker got beat up a little in that first half. That offensive line didn't look good. So I think Bama fans need to go ahead and recenter themselves a little and realize our offensive line looked a little shaky. Our left tackle, who's supposed to be the stalwart, he looked a little shaky. Our quarterback got flustered at points. If it wasn't for Derrick Henry being the biggest guy in the field, there's no way Bama (laughs) runs away with that game. No, and I mean, look, Look, Bama won. That's all that matters. They won easily, but Wisconsin lost a lot. And I'm with you, the offensive line. But And one more thing, don't over-exaggerate. Notre Dame's went over Texas, and Notre Dame's a good football team. I think they're better, Jonathan, than I thought they were going to be. But let's not, let's not put Notre Dame in the playoff right now because they beat a Texas team. Matter of fact, Texas looked god-awful yesterday in that, and it, it was just one of those games. Quinn's about to jump on. I'm about to put him on to talk about his Irish. We'll bring him on to talk about that in Auburn. But, but Jonathan, how bad was Stanford yesterday? I mean, you, you're talking about the Pac-12 getting embarrassed yesterday, losing to Northwestern, Washington State losing to a high school team, Arizona State getting thumped. It was a very bad day for the Pac-12, but it, Stanford losing to Northwestern, I didn't see that coming. Neither did I. That was um, that was a bad loss. Uh, Stanford didn't look prepared. They didn't look ready. It just wasn't a good game all the way around. Uh, Hogan, the three-year starter who everybody's supposed to have faith and belief in, he's going to be, you know, the next Andrew Luck and da-da-da. But he couldn't get anything going right. I mean, Hogan looked pathetic. That us, they, they struggled to run the ball. Their offensive line looked a little beat up. I mean, it was just a mess. Stanford, I'm trying to figure out if they, what's going on there. They look like a mentally weak team. That's what they really look like, a mentally weak team. Yeah, that's very surprising. I mean, when you say mentally weak, you look at Stanford. <laughs> you have to be very smart to get into that school, so mentally weak doesn't doesn't really say much. But what do you think about Florida? You talk about, you know, those points they put up, but what about the team, the visiting team's bus getting broken into and all their valuables stolen? I mean, what kind of place is is Gainesville, Jonathan? I mean, my God, it's bad enough you you hang 60 on a high school team, but then you rob them. 
Oh, I mean, you ask Cam Newton about that. He he did his fair share of robberies in, in Gainesville. But anyways, <laughs> so I had to go there. We, the whole, uh, the whole everybody in Tallahassee's been going there this morning. Everybody's been going back to the whole Cam Newton thing, and I get it. That's when he was. That's when he was a terrible person. He became a saint when he went to Auburn, and, and that's fine. I'll agree with that. That's fine. Anybody who willingly leaves Florida is a saint in my book. Uh, but you know, that was a mess. I just could not believe that that's happened. Cold, I mean, man. How, that's cold. <laughs> how bad of a fan base? Do you have to where the team bus, the opponent team buses and things? That's bad, man. I mean, where's Paul Ewing when you need him right now? Where was Paul during that time? That's what I want to know. <laughs> he was probably the one who broke into the bus. Exactly. Paul Ewing's over here robbing people. But you're right. You can't. People just kill me the way they over-exaggerate week one. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. TCU went on the road to Minnesota, one by six, but now TCU sucks in people's minds. I mean, come on. I mean, week one is a is a tough week for everybody. Usually the better you start, Jonathan, the worse you finish. And and let's start right now with the Auburn Tigers. That's the that's the game on my mind, everybody's mind out there. You know, they, they gotta win. That was to me a home game. I was at that game. More Auburn fans than not. But mm-hmm. you know, I saw a lot of positives. I saw some negatives, but the one good thing, Jonathan, when you're a team that's up there in the top ten right now this early, isn't it good to play somebody that's that's decent, that can let you know where you need to improve on? Because Auburn, I mean, if they'd have played Idaho State and beat them 60 to nothing, we wouldn't have known there could be some issues going on at Auburn right now. But But what I saw yesterday was a defensive line for Auburn, the front seven looked phenomenal really see the difference in Muschamp already in a year. But but Jeremy Johnson's got some work to do. And it's not just – you can't just – because you because you've waited two years and now you're in a great offense doesn't mean you're just going to win the Heisman. He has some work to do. What do you think about the Auburn-Louisville game? I thought Louisville's defense was a little better than I thought. Yeah, and the Louisville's defense did play really well. They especially shut it down in the second half. Um, that was very impressive. They kind of got pushed around a little bit in the first half. Um, I, w- I want to agree with you at one point, and I said this while watching the game. And my uncle asked me, he goes, you know, how's the game going? Uh, and he was a, his, his family's from Louisville. He's a Louisville fan. I go, well, you know, if Auburn quarterback wasn't an idiot, you got uh, Auburn would be up by about 50. I mean, Jeremy looked – you know what, Jeremy looked like a kid who was – who, it was his first big start. That's what it looked like to me. It looked like an inexperienced young kid who hadn't been in that kind of a spotlight before. Understandable. He made some dumb decisions. Rolling out to the sideline and trying to put the ball in between four defenders. He made a couple bad decisions. But they got the win. I was still impressed. That defense is a whole level better than they were last year. Muschamp has done a phenomenal job of that defense. I am very impressed with that. Um, I mean, what what Auburn's defense does have to figure out is why they peter out in the second half. How come all of a sudden Louisville was able to start moving the ball on in the second half? And I think that's something that will be addressed and will be figured out. But Auburn won, and that's the thing we got to take away from this. They won. They were the better team yesterday. And I, I was, in all honesty, I'm impressed with what I saw from the Auburn Tigers because Jeremy Johnson will get better. 
Well, he can't get worse. But he had some good things, too, happen. You know, he he made some great throws. Remember that? This game was about to turn real ugly until that holding call. Jeremy Johnson uh, throws a 70-yard mm-hmm. touchdown pass that gets negated with a hold that I don't think it should have been called. It could be called every play, actually. And then the 15-yard personal foul, it was about to get ugly. But you have to credit Louisville. And, and one thing that, that you don't get a chance to do in the first game sometimes, Jonathan, you have four quarterbacks at Louisville. You don't know who's going to start. You don't have film on them really to understand. Louisville, Petrino's smart enough to realize, hey, we these, this defensive line's killing us. They're, we can't do anything. So we have to, to use things outside and just try to create things. And, and he was doing a good job there in the fourth quarter. Auburn, to me, it looked like they were they were, were rotating a lot of people, some backups, but still, you've got to shut teams down. But, but Bobby Petrino is a good play caller. He's not stupid, but I think he found his quarterback. So if you look at Louisville, when you, you know, it was a, non, a non-conference game. You played against a top-six team in the country within a touchdown. It should have been a lot more than that. If you watch that game, you realize Auburn should have just beaten the dog crap out of them even more. But it helps them for ACC play, doesn't it, Jonathan? Now, I mean, they're 0-0 in ACC play, and really that's what matters to Louisville right now. How much better is Louisville going to be from playing this Auburn team rather than playing Kentucky? Well, they're a lot better. Don't don't get me wrong. That that, that was a great measuring stick for Louisville because now they they know what they need to figure out on on defense, and that's going to be big for them. They know that they're susceptible to the deep ball, and I think, you know, a couple of those defenders, Auburn knew that from when they were Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but, I mean, Josh Harvey Clemens had two interceptions for Louisville. That was impressive. That secondary still got a ball hawk. So they got some things figured out there. Um, offense, they realized they got a couple of different quarterbacks who can do a couple of different things and kind of rotate in and out seamlessly. So I think Louisville is a huge, this is a huge first game for them. They didn't quit. They, they lost by seven due to a, in all reality, they didn't get a good shot at the end of the game because of a, a blunder uh, by Petrino with that timeout, 52 seconds left. Yeah. So, um, I was about to say that, Jonathan, but he said the official told him wrong. I don't care what some of the sideline officials says. The rule's the rule. He could have protested that game had he not called the timeout and had to run that clock. Right, I, I, that's one of those situations where, as a head coach, you have to be aware of those rules. Uh, that, I mean, that's something you're going to run into that you can possibly run into every game. You just have to know that rule. That rule doesn't change. Well, as soon as the official says no, no ten second runoff, well, then it's a dead ball. You don't need to call a timeout. So it was, it was definitely weird how that ended, and you can just see the stunned look on a lot of Louisville fans in the stands. As they just started scratching the head, doing the whole what the I mean, you were at the game. I watched it. Lundquist and Danielson uh, for CBS were baffled by the timeout. I mean, they they had a hard time getting words out. They were stunned, trying to uh, you know trying to explain what happened. Yeah, and that tells you a lot right there because those guys they've kind of seen it all. I mean, Lundquist pipes up with, uh, I'm only going to say this for the second time out of broadcasting career, but that was inexplicable. And that tells you a lot about how that game ended. Yeah, I was in the I was in the stands, and I'm like, "What in the world did he just do?" I mean, it was just even the guy behind me was like, "What?" He was a Louisville fan up in there. But hey, let's bring on Quinn real quick. 
see what Quinn has to think about the Auburn Tigers. I'm not finished talking about Auburn just yet, but Quinn, welcome to the show. What would you think about the Auburn Tigers yesterday? Big win. Yeah, I thought I thought the defense looked good for a half, but when they changed to that more uh, mobile quarterback, I thought that they're going to really need to improve with uh, with more running type of quarterbacks because that second half they got they got eight up, but I think Muschamp will fix that. And then I think well, Johnson. Well, tell Johnson, me, Quinn. Hold on, hold on, Quinn. Hold on, Quinn. Hold on. Who in the SEC? And you're right. They, this guy was fast too. Tell me somebody in the AC or in the SEC that they're going to be playing week in and week out that could present a problem for Auburn. Well, I think Prescott could cause problems, yeah. and I think yeah. uh, Brandon Harris can get on the run. I think he can maybe cause some problems. Very good, and it's better to get exposed week one and realize. Yeah. Hey, we 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 have to fix this, right? Instead of instead of going to Baton Rouge week three and getting blown out, it's good we figure that out now, right? Yeah, and I think Muschamp will fix that. And then I think Jeremy Johnson uh, felt the pressure and uh, was was impatient on some throws, but I think that'll get fixed um, for the. LSU game in two weeks, and I think we'll see a much better, yeah. Uh, yeah. much better Jeremy Johnson going into Baton Rouge. I don't know if you noticed this, Jonathan. You may have, but go back and look at Jeremy Johnson when he threw those interceptions. Look at his feet, not planted, not set, not sure about what he was doing. And and Quinn, it looked like to me that Jeremy Johnson had many opportunities. To pull the to pull the ball down and run, but he didn't. And that, my question to you, Quinn, do you think Gus Malzahn and Lashley told him, "Do not run. We just want you throwing. We don't want you getting hurt right now." Why didn't Jeremy Johnson run instead of making those stupid uh, throws? Uh, These were the worst throws I, I've ever seen. Yeah, I think I think that might have been part of it. I think I think. I think Gus will look back on that and I'll probably help him. But I think, yeah, I think they really didn't want Jeremy running. And that's why I don't think they had as much read option in there that first game is because they don't want Jeremy running because they don't want Jeremy to possibly go down with injury. And so I I think you'll see in the coming weeks that they'll more open up the run for Jeremy, but it's going to be few and far between. And Jonathan, did you notice that I was at the game and where I was sitting, I could see it kind of, I could see the holes, what was opening up. I mean, why do you think Jeremy Johnson just didn't tuck it and run and, and gain 20 yards instead of throwing it right to the Louisville defenders? And when I say right to him, I mean, nobody in Auburn was around. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he's colorblind. I don't know. But, I mean, these were the worst throws I've ever seen. So it's time to start mm-hmm. running the ball, don't you think? Yeah, I actually piped up with the test of any reference. I was watching the game, and if um, you remember, or if you've ever glimpsed into any test of already, the Fiesta Bowl against Penn State, you'll understand what I mean, because that's what Jeremy Johnson did. He, he was hitting guys in the chest, and you're going, oh, he's colorblind. There is no and in testimony, the, the, the running joke was testimony was colorblind. That's why he was throwing a white jersey instead of green ones. Um, 
I mean, <laughs> I don't know why Jeremy didn't run a lot. Uh, I, I do believe that it, it had, you know, it had a lot to do with Gus not wanting him to, not to expose himself to injuries, because he knew this this Louisville defense hard hitting bunch. They'd come and blast them. Um, yeah. I, I think I think this is something that as the season goes along, it'll it'll update it'll change because it is, it's weird because usually young quarterbacks like that in their first couple of starts, if they can run, they usually take off because they're afraid to throw the ball. He has no problem slinging that rock seventy yards down the field, which is great. But he's got to learn when to tuck it and go. Yeah, or just throw it out of bounds too. I mean, just you know, throw it that. I mean, those were three of the worst passes I've seen in my 38 years of existence, and that's okay. I, I would rather it happen like that now and this kid get humbled. And uh, I was going through the game, and I was thinking, it's time to bench this kid for a series or something. But I think Malzahn made the right decision and because you can really screw up with a, a screw of the kid's mind. You take him out like that. That's his game. He got him in that situation with those mistakes. Now bail out of it. And, and you saw Malzahn had no problem, and I don't know if people knew this or not, but Rock Thomas, Javon Robinson didn't play any in the second half. They were banged up. Carl Lawson uh, didn't play in the second half. Of this running back named Peyton Barber stole the show last night when, when Auburn needed to milk some clock and get some first downs. They handed it to him, Quinn. Peyton Barber is a pleasant surprise. I mean, it's, it's a 3-D yeah, running back team. Really Peyton good. Barber could be the – he could be the best running back right now on that team. Yeah, I think he is. He was, he it's was a good really problem good. to have. Yeah, it's a yeah, good it problem to have when you have three running backs that can go. The offensive line, Jonathan, for Auburn, um, I couldn't tell. But, I mean, the defensive line for Louisville's, I mean, very, very good. But I think Auburn had a tough time blocking them at times. Therefore, the holding calls that were happening. Why do you think Auburn had such a tough time with with Louisville's front? Louisville, and it's weird because I think this has always been a Petrino thing. Um, They tend to run an undersized defensive line. So I think the speed of Louisville's D line gave Auburn's linemen some fit. Uh, And it looked like they were running a lot of stunts and things of that nature. And that, that tends to mix up an offensive line, especially in a first game like that. And I think that's all it was. Uh, in the SEC, they're not going to deal with that as much because in the SEC, most of your players are NFL size where when you're at Louisville, they're still recruiting defensive ends that are Elvis Dumerville, 230 pounds, which isn't to say there's anything wrong with that. It's just that the ACC tends to be faster as far as yeah. the defensive front goes, whereas the SEC tends to be more powerful. Unless you have Miles Garrett, who is a god, apparently. Yeah, and, and and you know, guys, it's the first game and the speed. I don't care what you say. Practice is practice. It's nothing like till those lights come on and you hit the field against an opponent. I mean, I think offensive line struggle because of the speed, like you said, but just the timing, getting everything together. Gus Malzahn had problems getting his offense in rhythm yesterday, and it was because of Louisville. You have to credit Louisville. I think sometimes so many people blame, and they put down the team like Auburn, but they don't give credit to the team that's right across from them, causing that them not to get into rhythm. Bobby Petrino is a great hitch. There's no doubt about it. He's a great play caller. 
the jackass is a defensive coordinator for Georgia. I hate Grantham, but he's a good defensive coordinator. They had a year to prepare for this game, and people forget about that too. Bobby Petrino was consumed with Auburn. He wanted that win so bad. Everybody knew it. Everybody in the stands knew it. The fans knew it. And it's just one of those things. You have to get past week one. I hate week one, Jonathan, because, I mean, anything can happen. As we saw Stanford, Northwestern, as we saw BYU, Nebraska, anything can happen week one, but you have to survive. If you lose week one, it's kind of hard to rebound. But given the takeaway, going to Baton Rouge two weeks from now, Jonathan, what do you think Auburn has to do better in order to come out of there with a win? You know, I, I wish I could compare the two teams, but LSU's game got canceled with the Lightning. Um, what I think Auburn needs to do is their, their defense obviously needs to play a full 60 minutes. Uh, that's definitely what they got to do. Because LSU's offense, it, as once you get past, if you can contain Fournette, I think they can control that game. Um, offensively, you got to settle Jeremy down. The receivers have to get better at coming back to him. Uh, that, that was one of the problems I noticed was a couple of the receivers just kept going. you got to get Duke Williams more involved with the offense. Uh, he's a big boy. He gives Jeremy a huge a huge window to throw to. And keep pounding the rock. That, that, that's, that's your bread and butter. Keep doing it. Um, I, I mean, I'm very impressed with what I saw running the football from Auburn. They're, they're, they look like one of the best rushing offenses once again. And I love every yeah. second of it. It's phenomenal. Well, I have a question for you, Jonathan. LSU not getting to play that cupcake game last night. Now they go next week. They play at Mississippi State. Then they come back to Auburn, where Auburn gets the cupcake game. They got a kind of reality check of where they are. Now they get a chance from week one to two to fix it. To go to Baton Rouge, how big is that that LSU didn't get to play last time? Oh, it's huge. No practice game for LSU. Uh, now, you know, you're going into – Mississippi State struggled a little bit with Southern Miss last night. Uh, they definitely did. But they're coming home. Their crowd's electric. Prescott still looks good. The rest of the team, I think that was more of a growing experience for the linemen and the running backs and all that. They're going to give LSU a big fight. And that's going to be hard on LSU because their first game, they're, they're, they're sending out those feeder punch to Mississippi State, but they're also feeling themselves out. So it's going to be a tough struggle for their offense to get going. Their defense is going to have to play really well. And then, you know, Mississippi State, they stopped the run. They were very physical. LSU is not a very explosive offense. There is a chance that Mississippi State could win this game, but even though if they don't, just say LSU squeaks it by, they get beat up a little bit in that kind of physical game. I mean, Auburn's resting, really, getting some repetition, healing from week one. I think it's a huge – Quinn, what do you think? I think that's a huge deal that LSU didn't get some practice last night in a live game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it is big. And, and I think – yeah, I think Mississippi – I think Mississippi State might be able to win that game now. And, yeah, for – and then them getting beat up a little bit, like you said, coming – going back home to play Auburn, I, I think – that doesn't bode well for him. And yeah, then, and you talked about. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then I wanted to go back to the rhythm thing with uh, the offense. When Auburn was getting first downs, 
I don't get why Gus wasn't going faster at times. I agree. Well, I agree. It does seem like he slowed it down a little. Yeah. And usually he's fast after a first down. They yeah. just pushed the pedal to the metal, and they didn't do it yesterday. I wonder if it's just uh, to try to get their timing. Maybe he didn't feel their timing was down all the way, but the way you get into timing and rhythm is to, to go faster, right? Yeah. You know what? Gus played like, and you're going to hate to hear this, but he played like that championship game against against Florida State. He, yesterday yep. was Gus playing not to lose. Next week he'll be a little and watch. Auburn will be open up. They're going to completely open up the offense. Everybody's going to be loose. They're going to be fine. They're going to drop seventy points next week. Watch. That's what's going to happen. He got yeah. concerned. once they got up twenty four nothing. He's like, all right, let's pedal it back a little bit and eat some clock. Yeah, see, I see. That's, that. that's I what he can't that. do. That's what he can't do against LSU. I hope we hang 50 on LSU because if we get up to huge lead, I don't want him to start going slow and milk and clock. Just stay in the rhythm until the fourth quarter. Well, well, well you ask your players to play four quarters, right? Your coaches yep. should coach four quarters. and. And that's the way I look yep. at it. Auburn, you know, you're up. I understand if you're at 45 with five minutes left, yeah, you slow it down a little bit. But when when Jonathan says 24 to nothing, this is a chance for you to really drive home the nail in the coffin and really just put it away. And Gus had a chance to do it against Florida State. He dropped the ball. He had a chance to do it. There was another game I'm trying to think of, but it, he does get into that approach where he just runs and he takes all the clock off. Auburn is yeah. an offense based off rhythm. Go, 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 go. And when they're milking the play clock down to one, it's just not. First of all, the defense knows what you're doing. You're going to run the ball. You're milking the play clock. That's obvious, right, Jonathan? So, I mean, you're not going to be able to, to move the ball effectively when you're doing that. So, Gus is going to have to, to really learn how to coach. And I'm not trying to say I'm a better coach than he is, but I'm tired of seeing leads get get blown because of, of being conservative and trying to run out the clock. I know a win's a win, but that game should have been about 38-7 to, to seven yesterday, Jonathan, not, yeah. not 31-24. And that's the thing I like about Notre Dame is when when Notre Dame went into halftime of 17-0, they came out still looking to score until the end of that third quarter. Yeah, I know. I agree. Notre Dame did come back out, and they kept punching on Texas in the mouth. And that's just the way Gus has got a coach. I just think that it's a minor thing. I think that's just a tweak of his. And, you know, I'm watching the Florida State game last night because I, I am a Florida State fan. I had a huge problem not only with the way our special teams executed because it was very poor, very poor, but with the play calling that, of Jimbo late in, in the first half. That second quarter, Jimbo was very conservative. He was very lax. And Texas State was kind of hanging around a little. And I think there are certain coaches that you can just, at this point, you know, they're going to get slow. They're going to get cautious. They're going to start playing it safe. And that's when the other team just they, they get really aggressive. And they come after you, and they wind up putting up a couple points. Yep. Yep. Notre Dame last night. Let's talk about them while we have Quinn on the line. Notre Dame came out and just 
donkeys stomp Texas, and you know Texas fans are out there now. Like I know Dustin Porterfield, he's a listener to the show and everything, and he's he's a Texas sunshine pumper, man. He's he's talking about they're still rebuilding, but Jonathan, I think Texas took ten steps back in that kind of game. I expected them to compete. The point spread in that game was around 10. It dropped to eight and a half at times. But there's no excuse to go in and get beat like that. I mean, 38 to 3. You didn't score until the third quarter. Jonathan, and they Texas, are they going to be worse this year? Jonathan, are they going to be worse this year than last year? I mean, I don't think Notre Dame's that great. I'm just worried about Texas. I mean, are they that bad? You know, I, I think Notre Dame's defense, now that it's fully healthy, and Quinn can attest to that, because their defense was injured a lot last year. I think now that yeah. defense is fully healthy, Notre Dame's de- you know, that their defense, that was their defense. That's going to be there. Offensively, I don't have that. I did not believe that much in Malik Zaire. And, again, that's a little unproven quarterback thing. Show me something. He showed me something. But I think Texas is worse than they were last year. I think Texas is a bad football team. I think Texas is a young football team. And Charlie Strong better figure something out. They need positive momentum at the end of this year because looking at their last two games last year and this game this year, they've been outscored like 127 to 14. That's bad. That's unacceptable. He needs to figure that out. They should at least have a good defense. That's just, that's just calling cards. Offense will figure it out. But and when your defense is getting shredded like that, Charlie, what are you doing wrong? Yep. How long are they gonna put up with Texas doing this? I mean, you know Texas how their boosters are. You know they wanna win. Are they gonna be patient with Charlie Strong a couple more years? Because remember he cleaned house last year. And it's gonna take a while to rebuild from that, uh, Jonathan. How long are they gonna give him? I just don't know if he's gonna be around long enough to turn it around. He's got one more year after this. It's going to be the three and done. That's the new rule, it seems like, in college football. You get three years to show positive momentum. If there's positivity in year three, then we give you a fourth one, and we go from there. He's got to get something good going, and he's got to start recruiting the state of Texas. I know he has all his ties in the state of Florida, and he thinks he can come steal our kids. Charlie, you've got to recruit your home state first. You've got to do it. You cannot survive and the boosters will not let you live if you don't recruit your home state. Yeah. You got Baylor there now, A&M, being in the SEC conference now, stealing the recruits. I just don't think he has a good enough relationship with the high school coaches. And I know Texas is Texas, Quinn, but but I think now yeah. it's all about relationships. And I just don't think he's a relationship kind of coach. And R. Bryles is, Kevin Sumlin is. How long do you think Strong's going to stay at Texas? Uh, I think I think he'll be there for. I mean, I think they'll at least give him another year. All right. And then I well, think Quinn, buddy, from... thanks for joining us, Quinn. Uh, stay on there. We'll bring you back on in a minute, Jonathan. I mean, Notre Dame coming in there, packing a punch. They lost their running back for the season, though. That's going to hurt them. But the defense looks very good for Notre Dame. And looking at their schedule. That Stanford game, I think they play Stanford, don't they? Notre Dame? Yeah, they do play Stanford. Well, that's an easy win now. You're looking at it. I mean, Notre Dame looked good. Texas is bad. But I hate it for all these fair guys. I really do. That 
like Dustin that thinks, you know, he believes in Charlie Strong. I've said it from from the hire, from the get-go. I thought it was a bad hire, and then I saw what he was trying to do, then I gave him kudos for cleaning house, you know, and doing it. But I just don't think he can win at Texas right now. I mean, I just – you're getting embarrassed. You got annihilated. Arkansas beat you last year so bad in that bowl game. It was pathetic. And then you turn around with a year – you know, you with that bad taste in your mouth, and you know you're playing Notre Dame, and you lose by 35. I mean, that's that's just that's what's going to get him fired. And I know there's a three-year rule, Jonathan, but if he gets embarrassed too many times like this, just say he plays Oklahoma this year, he's got to play Baylor, TCU. He gets embarrassed three or four more times this year like that. I don't know if they're going to let him stay. And I can see that if if he if he gets blown out by Baylor, he gets blown out by Oklahoma. TCU, if Oklahoma State takes it to him, then Charlie's going to be in trouble. And the problem with Charlie right now is he's doing a small school turnaround. That's what he's trying to do. He's doing this whole, let's get out, let's get the, you know, he thinks he has five years. I'm going to get everybody out, get my guys in, go from there. You're a big school, man. They hired you to turn it around quick. You can't be trying to completely reconfigure a team. That's, that's very hard to do, especially at a school like Texas, because they're not very patient fans. Because just like at any other school, like Florida State, Florida, Auburn, Alabama, they're used to winning. So you've got to turn around and start winning. I don't care how you get it done, but figure it out. And you need a very good offensive coordinator. you got to have somebody yeah. to figure out how to use these guys right. And, 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 again, Texas, you swing and miss at quarterbacks nonstop. Figure something out there. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Texas, it depends on also how his rivals are doing. You have A&M, look how they looked last night. Look at Baylor, you know, a team that's possibly a playoff team. TCU, all these teams around the state of Texas that are his rivals, Oklahoma, they started doing very good. It puts pressure. Look at Auburn. I mean, Alabama comes in, Nick Saban wins the championship in his second year. They fire Tuberville, a guy that's been there 10 years that had a perfect season in 04, they didn't waste any time, did they, Jonathan? It's like, okay, we got to fire this guy and, and get somebody that can compete. And I just don't think Charlie Strong's the man at Texas to do that. He was good at Louisville, but this is the Big 12 now. This is big boy football. This is where the money's at, and I just don't think he's – I just don't think his relationship's there, right? But I don't want to stay on Texas long, but congratulations to the Notre Dame Irish. They look real good. Um, they got it going on right there, Jonathan. Let's move on to Oregon real quick. Now, this game surprised me, 61-42. to 42. I mean, I don't understand how Oregon gives up 42 points. And it wasn't like at the end they gave up all these points. They gave up seven in the first quarter, 14 in the second, 14 in the third, and seven in the fourth. My concern is, Jonathan, they're going all the way to East Lansing next weekend to play a team that can play defense and can score. If Eastern Washington's going to put up 42 on you, what's Connor Cook and that offense going to do at home? Yeah, that I, I, I peeked in on that game, and it wasn't – it was curiosity. I wanted to see how Vernon Adams looked, and it was a shame that, you know, one of his former teammates uh, with an illegal hit knocked him out of the game. Uh, that that that's a shame. We've seen that numerous times already, and, and uh, there's no room for that in football. I want to put that out there. But uh, Oregon's defense has to make you nervous if you're an Oregon fan. It really does. I mean, there's there's not a lot positive that happened in that game for that defense. I mean, basically the offense put up 60, 
And people are going to say, well, Eastern Washington's a good team. They beat Oregon State, you know, last year or the year before. That's Oregon State. Oregon State's not that good. I, I mean, come on. Where are your standards at? Obviously, you're replacing a lot on defense. We know this. So it's a lot of young guys breaking in. But now you've got to go to East Lansing. I'm, I'm interested to see what this line opens up at. Because I have a feeling Michigan State's going to be at least a 10-point favorite now. Wow, you think so? Yeah, I do. And I think it's because of how poorly they played. That defense played so poorly in that game that I think it, it's going to get you – know, Vegas is going to wind up putting a line that's going to be hovering somewhere around like seven, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just – I just don't understand how how they can how you can struggle like that. Actually, hold on. I think they might have actually put the line up. They did. It's a pick em. Ah, I'm stunned. There we go. Caught me off guard. What? All right. It's a pick em. Michigan State, Oregon opened at a pick em. Well, I'm all I'm on Michigan State all day long, man. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I mean, giving up forty something points at home to this team, I mean Oregon with Hellfrich right now, new quarterback. Jonathan, is that a sucker bet? What are what is Vegas trying to tell us here? I mean, I guess just the perception of Oregon is so high. And maybe and, and you know the line's all about perception. What's the perception of Oregon? What's the perception of Michigan State? Oregon has a bigger following than Michigan State. Maybe that's it, but my money's on on Michigan State right now. What about you? So is mine. And people are gonna say, Well, Michigan State struggled with Western Michigan. I I already see that debate coming. And I don't look at it as they struggle. I think offensively they kept their playbook small and limited because they didn't want to give a lot away for Oregon to game plan for. Defensively, did they look exact, did they look tough? No, they they did give up some scores. But I still think that they ran a, a very basic and bland offense and defense for that game. That that's how I'm looking at it. And I think that you're gonna see a you're gonna see a defense that might actually blitz a lot. And that's going to be something to take advantage that Oregon's going to have to be a, a, get a heads up for. And I think Connor Cook's going to have a nice little day picking them apart. And as long as Michigan State doesn't give up the kick return for a touchdown, as long as they keep the special teams in check, I think they can go ahead and get it done. You know, because that, that was one of the big things was, I, you know, Western Michigan took a kickoff back to the house. You know, you take that away, pull it from ballgame. And I think that's how we need to look at this. As long as Michigan State special teams is there, and their offense, you know, they actually run their offense. I think they can go ahead and get that game done. Well, I'm looking at the line. Michigan State's favorite two. It did start as a pick em. It's moved to two. Jason Humphrey, you want to talk about your ducks? What do you think about this line? Press number one, we'll let you in. We know you're in the studio, but, God, Oregon going all the way. Think about the, how far away Oregon is from East Lansing. That's a That's a tough trip to make. And especially without a, a solid quarterback, is the quarterback for Oregon out for the next week, Jonathan, or was he just knocked out of the game? From what I heard this morning, he was just up for the game. Uh, he did not sustain a concussion. Um, obviously, that can change as as we progress here, and you know, injury injury reports always always move. And they have a solid backup in Lockie, uh, so I don't think they're really too worried about that. But, I mean, if you're Oregon, not having Vernon Adams, your starter, that could be a big thing. And this is a night game with East Lansing. I mean, that's huge. You know, and this isn't, you know, a, a, you know if it's a 3.30 start, you've got to give Michigan State a huge edge because that's the time difference. 
But since this is going to well, be we'll a nice you... start. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, because it's a nice start, Oregon's going to get a little more credit because they don't, there's not going to be the jet lag and everything. But this is going to be this going to be a really really good game. Well, looking at the next week, just a preview of a little couple of the big games. LSU's only a two point favorite at Mississippi State, which is kind of a scary line right there. I, I kind of am leaning toward Mississippi State a little bit in that one. Um, but here's something that surprised me. Maybe not surprised me. Tennessee opened up a three point, or Oklahoma opened up a three point favorite at Tennessee but it's down to one. Do you think the point spread was affected by Tennessee last night, giving up that many points to Bowling Green? I do, and I, I want to put out there for everybody who thinks they're surprised by this, Bowling Green has a very good offense who can put up points on a lot of different teams. Um, I yep. think they're a very underrated max team, especially offensively. Tennessee, they're still figuring stuff out. Oklahoma looked very good yesterday. Baker Mayfield looked very good, but they were playing Akron, who's one of the bottom teams in the, in the MAC. So they, I don't think you can compare those two games and compare those two teams because Bowling Green is much better than Akron. I think that that line should be a pick em, uh, and and I think you'll get good split money if you do that. Um, but, I mean, looking at that, that's going to be an excellent game in its own right. I'm really excited for that one. Can't wait to see it. I mean, there's some good games. There's three real good games. There's probably more that I'm overlooking. But, again, week one is is people take put too much stock into week one sometimes. Even Vegas does. So, see, because of the public, we, we, we put so much emphasis on how our team does in week one. Vegas has to adjust their lines. Like, I don't understand. Tennessee, to me, should be a small favorite at home, but I think because they gave up a lot of points to Bowling Green, the perception is now Tennessee is not as good as what they they were. But John, Jason's with us right now. Jonathan, let's let him in. He wants to talk about his Oregon Ducks, and if the studio will work, I'll get him on. Jason, welcome to the show, buddy. Go Ducks. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Doing good. Hey, you, you don't have the radio on in the background, do you? Uh, I got the TV and that one just turning down. So. Yeah, I don't, don't want to. I don't, don't want to hear your porn going off in the background. No, no, it's last night's studio <laughs> shows and what a ha ha. No, just real quick, two things for me. Don't overreact. Let's not overreact to USC just quick. They play Arkansas State last night, and they play Idaho next week. Let's judge them till they play Stanford. I know Stanford looked good terribly. And um, my other thing is um, let's not buy into Texas A&M real quick because they got off to the hot start last year. So... Yeah. Well, your Oregon Ducks, man, I'm going to overreact a little bit to them. Why did they give up so many points? Um, they gave up too many yards after the catch. Um, they they took bad angles for tackles, and the one out really missed a lot of tackles last night. So. 
Well, what do, you, what do you think about them going all the way on the road to, to East Lansing, Michigan State? Do you think they're going to win? The point spreads to Michigan State's favorite two. I, I think Oregon's going to win just on the offensive part. Um, the one game put up, I want to say, 400 yards last night. I want to say 458 to be exact. Um, I think the offense will be in the good hands. And I think the defense will be in good hands, too, because I said last night that Eastern Washington receiving core could be one of like top three wide receiving cores that we see all year. So um, we won't see another one like Eastern Washington's till maybe Cal's um, wide receiving core. Well, you know, Jason, yeah. you know, Jason, looking at, Looking at what I say about week one, like I talked about Louisville having a year to prepare. Eastern Washington, yeah. for a year, they're going to get to play Oregon, and Oregon probably could care less about Eastern Washington. So, I mean, I, I guess, I guess we can't overreact, will we? Really can we? We, we? we can't overreact to Eastern Washington too much. And, and plus, they, they knew the quarterback, Burden Adams, was going to transfer to Oregon, too, in a year out of that sense. Um, I don't know if you watched the game, but late in the fourth quarter, Vernon Adams slid and took a pretty good shot in the head last night in the fourth quarter. He was walking around on the sidelines after he went back to the locker room, but he should be fine for next week's game in East Lansing. So. That's just so, Jason, Jason I, have to ask you, I have to ask you, Jason, what do you think about my Auburn Tigers? What do you really honestly think? Um, what I saw, um, I was watching the Nebraska-BYU game because my girlfriend is a Nebraska fan, so I was watching that game. But what I saw, um, I I liked it. Um, I just looked, looked at the stats. I knew Jeremy. Jimmy Johnson didn't have that good of a game. But um, like you said, week one, if you get a win, you should be happy. Um, I think every team in the nation at some point didn't look that great. So um, a win's a win. So. Yep, a win's a win. Well, Jason, man, thanks for joining us, man. Get on here next week, and we'll talk a little uh, Oregon, Michigan State, what going on? Well, Jonathan, we talk about conferences a lot on here, and uh, the SEC looked pretty good at what was it, eleven or twelve and one, and they didn't play the fourteenth game with LSU. But I mean, this does matter because the SEC did play some out of conference teams, some good ones to an extent, not all of them, of course, but several, but. What does it tell you about the SEC right now and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten? Uh, that it was week one. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at it and I go, you know, Alabama was favored to win their game. and m was favored to win their game. Auburn was favored to win their game. So the teams got the job done is, is what I saw. And that's a big thing right there. Um, I mean, it's amazing. Arizona State's ranked number 15 and A&M's favored by Vegas. And I think that tells you a lot right there. Um, a lot of teams got the job done. They got what they needed to do, and that made a huge difference to us conferences, whereas Stanford and Washington State, I mean, Washington State was a 31-point favorite in all. 
And that's unreal. That's unheard of. You know, Stanford was 11-point favorite in loss, and they were terrible in doing so. So I, I Hold think, on, you know, man. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Washington State was a 31-point favorite. Washington State was a 31-point favorite last night and lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's bad. That's that that's bad. That's what you know. That that's I believe they wound they wound up in like the top ten for largest favorites to go down. That's, that's and, Michigan Appalachian State level, isn't it? Well, and see that's funny because Michigan that Michigan Appalachian State game Vegas didn't even release a line. They thought it was going to be that much of a slaughter. Yeah, that you know, that 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 blows you off the water. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, but I mean. The Pac-12 looked rough yesterday. Um, obviously, they're, you know the, all the Pac-12 fans going around saying they're the best conference in football need to do some reevaluation. Uh, the SEC looked supreme. The ACC looked good. I mean, Miami, uh, Florida State, and Georgia Tech didn't play tough opponents, but they all smacked who they were playing. And I think that's a big thing. You know, they didn't just win. They were winning big. And we'll see a lot. Uh, tomorrow night with Virginia Tech and Ohio State, and where e- each conference is trending in all reality. Yeah, and the reason I said some of this stuff is people, you know, like somebody was putting up, oh, Muschamp's not a good defensive coordinator. Look at the stats from last night and show it. Look, stats mean nothing. Week one means nothing except that you win. If you can win and survive and move on to week two. If Jeremy Johnson looks like this against LSU, Jonathan, I'll be worried. If he if he doesn't improve and look like a good quarterback, I'll be worried about the rest of the year. But till then, I think Auburn's a playoff contender. But that's the fan in me as well. But they have the talent around them. But so many people, and it frustrates me, they overhype we won so much. What if Stanford rebounds, Jonathan, wins all their games and wins the Pac-12? What What does that tell you? I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but what does that tell you? Uh, that that tells you that week one on the road is a tough place to play. And I think that's a lot of the things people don't give enough credit for. Stanford played a noon game all the way in Illinois. I, I mean, that's that you want to talk about a team being jet-lagged. You can tell they were jet-lagged. I mean, technically, that was a 10 a.m. start for those players. You know, I don't know about you, but at 10 a.m., I'm, I'm not a – fresh and wearing and, and, and blazing through my day as I am at noon. And I think that I think that showed a lot. You know, Stanford really started out kind of rough. Uh, and, and week one, it's just always that tricky week. I mean, look at Baylor. Baylor went to SMU. They were up 28-21 at halftime, and everybody's freaking out. Oh, Baylor's overrated. Baylor's terrible. Da, 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 da. Baylor won that game 56-21. They blanked SMU 28 nothing in the second half. You tell me how overrated Baylor is based off of one half, and I tell you look at the second half of that game. And what it also tells me is SMU is a much improved football team as well. Chad Morris is going to turn that team around really nice, and that's going to be something special to see. But, I mean, overreaction week, it's always week one where everybody overreacts. Week two. We'll find out a little more. It's not until week five that people start getting actually realistic with what's going on. Well, Jonathan, let's go back to a game we were going to talk about, Alabama-Wisconsin. I mean, again, another game where where I'm starting to see the overhyped and 
let's look at this this Alabama team. All of a sudden, Nick Saban goes from not having a quarterback to to Coker as a Heisman candidate now. Alabama's a shoe in to win the SEC because they beat Wisconsin. I'm trying to pull up the stats. My computer, for some reason, is being slow. But, but Jonathan, I mean, when are we going to know how good Alabama is? Yes, they played a a, a decent opponent. I mean, a named opponent that 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 you recognize. Like Auburn played Louisville. That's a better that's a better team than playing, you know, Shreveport or somebody. You know, but Wisconsin was ranked 20th coming into this game. Now, really, is Wisconsin the 20th best team in the country? As of right now, I I, I can't say that because. Wisconsin's bread and butter is running the ball, and they couldn't run the ball. Did their defense play well for the first half? I mean, they played pretty well, um, especially that first quarter. They really came out and got after the quarterback. Uh, I think that Saban outcoached Paul Chris, which isn't saying much. This is, what, Chris' second year being a head coach? So, I mean, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into that. Um, I think, you know, we're not going to find out what Alabama is until the, the 19th when they got to play Ole Miss. You know, it's a revenge game for them. Ole Miss looked very good yesterday against, uh, obviously, a, a you know a, a clearly inferior opponent, but they still hold 76, and that take that takes some skill. So I think Ole Miss uh, is going to be their it's going to be their first tough test. But they don't have to go on the road until the third of October when they got to go to Georgia. And I did, you know, even though people are going to say Georgia looked very good against Monroe yesterday. I didn't see enough in the passing game for me to feel comfortable about them throwing nope. the ball. I did not. Nick Chubb looks good. We knew that. You know, they can run the ball like nobody else. We knew that. I didn't see Grayson Lambert be able to really take control in the air. And that's where I think a lot of people need to calm down with Georgia. Let's wait till Georgia plays, plays the defense um, that, that's, you know, not in the bottom, you know, 50 and, and get some work in. You know, let's test Grayson Lambert. Until then, I mean, Alabama, in all reality, they're, they're set up. Next week, they're going to blast Middle Tennessee. Let's be honest. They're, they're going to they're gonna skull drug them and beat them up. And then, you know, then we find out. Ole Miss, whose defense, I respect. I really like Ole Miss's defense. I think that's going to be a very good defense. Chad Kelly looked good yesterday. He didn't look great. Uh, he looked better than Bo Wallace, which I know isn't saying much to most people, but to me it is. Because I think that's a huge difference for Ole Miss. Yeah, and it, it does make a big difference. And it just seems like Ole Miss matches up well with, with Alabama. And, you know, you have an inexperienced quarterback or you have quarterback questions. Even though you're at home, you have a team like Ole Miss that's going to come out and get after you. You can't get outside on them. You can't go inside on them. They put pressure on the quarterback. That's 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 a game right there that I, you're right. That's the game. We're going to see if Alabama is possibly a playoff team after that game. I could easily see them losing to Ole Miss, honestly. And I'm not saying that to rile anybody up, but Ole Miss is – if they're better at the quarterback position last year, they're a, they're probably SEC champs. I mean, that's how that's how close it was. But we'll see. And, and we'll find out how good Auburn is more after that LSU game. But, but maybe not. What if Mississippi State school drags LSU next weekend – Auburn goes into LSU and beats them. We still really don't understand how good Auburn is. But it, it usually takes about four or five games. Get in your conference play a couple of games, 
and then you can tell how good of a team. But what what else jumped out at you yesterday, Jonathan? You want to talk about? Uh, I mean, and, and looking looking at, at what we saw, and, and if we could, I just want to cover the whole weekend a little bit. I liked what I saw from Boise State. They stuck a young kid out there to play quarterback, and he played well. Their defense played really well, and I know it was against Washington, and Washington had a shot to send that game in overtime. But I like what I saw from Boise State. That's a tough team. I loved the finish of the BYU-Nebraska game. I mean, who doesn't love a Hail Mary as time expires to win the game? It's a shame that Taysom Hill is out again, and he's going to end his career on an operating table because he injured the split. And that's a shame because he looked good. But their backup quarterback, I'll tell you what, that boy looks like something special. I mean, that's the kid that in high school, uh, whenever when they did the Elite Eight camp for quarterbacks, he actually tied a top. Uh, the list with Jameis Winston as the best quarterback at the camp. So I think BYU might have themselves a special year. Uh, they do have a daunting schedule, but BYU is definitely a team that I think we got to keep our eye on. Uh, I mean, I, I, this was a great weekend. This is what we were waiting for all year. We were waiting for this week to see some good football, and we saw some good football yesterday. Hold on, uh, Jonathan Quinn's wanting to come back in. Let me see if I can grab him in real quick. Quinn, you're back on. What would you like to discuss? Yeah, I wanted to kind of bring up the Alabama-Wisconsin game. And the thing is, Wisconsin's strengths played right into Alabama's strengths. Wisconsin is a pound-it-down-your-throat team. And anybody with pretty much half a brain cell should have known that wasn't going to work against Alabama's front seven. Yeah, then, I mean, it's not, but, but plus the players are not there. It's not just, this is not even the same Wisconsin team from last year, Quinn. That was actually pretty decent. They got beat 59 to nothing by Ohio State. Yeah, and then the, and then the other games, um, I thought, uh, I thought, I thought Minnesota actually, uh, played, played pretty well against TCU. Um, I actually was, I was kind of surprised that, uh, South Carolina beat North Carolina. I thought North Carolina would have won that game. Well, um, North but, Carolina would have won if their quarterback wasn't point shaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, and hey then, Quinn, uh, how about Michigan? How about Michigan? Did they play better than what you thought? Um, they played at about what I thought. I mean, for most of that game, their offense was was pretty bad. I mean, until the, about the third quarter, but uh, their defense their defense is pretty good. I give them that. But I think I think they'll have about as many wins as I thought they would. I think they're gonna have seven wins. So I didn't. I'm not changing on that, but and then that and then the whole Hail Mary thing that went down with Nebraska that was kind of crazy. Yeah, if you're if you're Nebraska, where do you go from here, man? You lose the BYU at home. I mean, that's a game I you should win. Your I favorite think they're in. a team that'll get better each week. I I mean. On that Hail Mary, it was just simple things of how to defend the Hail Mary that they didn't do. They had nobody in front of the guy. So, 
I mean, I think yeah, there'll be a team that'll improve each week. Fan. Yeah, I don't think Nebraska is really going to make any kind of impact, Jonathan. What do you think? Well, I just don't think they're that good. Yeah, I think Nebraska's in a rough transition here with the new coach and everything. Um, that's that's definitely going to be. It's definitely going to be a, a tough year for their fan base. I, I think that the, there's a lot of talent there, but I mean, when you lose like this, you're snake bit for the year. That's how I look at it. I see it all. I mean, there's no there's no coming back from this. And I agree, Michigan's offense was atrocious. I don't expect that offense to get rolling till about maybe halfway through the year, and that's if Rudolph can you know figure it out. Uh, and then, you know, a game that caught my eye, actually two games that caught my eye, UCLA, Josh Rosen, what a performance by the true freshman to come out. I know it's Virginia, but he came out and played extremely well. And then Illinois, you fired your coach a week ago, and then you go out and beat Kent State 52-3. to My hat's off to the Illinois football players for overcoming that adversity of losing your head coach before the season starts and just mauling an opponent. I mean, that that right there, that impressed me more than I think any other game this weekend. How about Franklin losing to Temple, getting skull drugged by Temple? This is a coach I can't stand. I've, I've never said anything good about him. Here he is with a chance to rebuild Penn State. They're a six-point favorite. They lay an egg and lose 27-10. to 10. How do you explain that? That offensive line is the worst offensive line I saw this weekend. That was awful. I mean, Hackenberg got sacked ten times. One of the sacks, they only rushed two guys. They had six guys in the block, two defenders, and Hackenberg still got sacked. I mean, and the, and the one guy got in immediately. The guy who sacked him got in there immediately. I mean, you had two, two offensive linemen that he just ran by, and the running backs put there like an idiot. I mean, that blows my mind. Uh, if Christian Hackenberg was on a team with an offensive line, he would look decent. Unfortunately, Penn State just getting Hackenberg ready to be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sad, Hackenberg. He's such a great talent that, that he's wasting his career at Penn State. What if you put Hackenberg at Auburn, Jonathan? What if he started at Auburn and he, he had a couple of years? How good would he be? He's an excellent pocket-passing quarterback. I don't know if Auburn's a great fit for him because he's not exactly the most mobile. Um, I think he'd be a, I think he'd be excellent at Florida State where you run a post-style offense. I think he'd do well at Alabama. I think Georgia would, would love to have him right now. You know, and it's just a shame. I mean, imagine if he was at Texas. Texas look a whole lot better. I mean, the offensive line's not bad. I mean, he makes Texas look better. And it just blows my mind that Penn State's going to go ahead and waste his kids, his, his, the rest of his, you know, the best years of his college career without blocking for him. It's a shame. I thought Penn State was going to be able to make a run this year. I'm taking that back now. I can't. You can't block them, buddy. You can't win ballgames. Nope. You can't protect the quarterback. You can't win. That's, that's the golden rule. But, I mean, I just wish he hadn't gone to Penn State to begin with. It was stupid. He got conned into it by the coach now that, that, uh, that Houston, Texas, I mean, why would you go to an awful school like Penn State at the time he went to, Jonathan? That's the thing. He got hustled. He got conned into coming. But I, I, I commend the kid for sticking it out, not transferring, not trying to, to get out of his commitment. I'll give him that. But he will be an NFL quarterback, possibly. I could see him on Sunday because if he can, if he can survive and make it alive out of Penn State, he may have a shot, Jonathan. 
Hell, I make good. If I could survive it, I make it be in the NFL. Yeah, I, you know, and, and there, there's the positivity is that, you know, he, you know, that he's getting beat up now, and he's still bouncing back. So that's a good sign. But the downside is he could get Derek uh, uh, David Card early, and nobody wants to beat David Card early. I mean, that's a shame. You know, when he got sacked 76 times as a rookie, he was never able to bounce back from that. That's what you got to worry about with Hackenberg. And I do. I commend him for he committed to Penn State. The sanctions came down, and he stood by his commitment. I commend him for that. Yep. That, that took a lot. Um, and, and I'm just looking at it now going, you know, I wonder if he regrets that decision. I really do. I mean, you know, he could have stayed home and gone to, like, Virginia Tech. You know, I wonder if he actually, you know, really is starting to regret that decision. Yeah. I mean, he, he could be, but, man, tomorrow night, let's talk before we get out of here. Ohio State, Virginia Tech, the game's in Blacksburg. Revenge game for Ohio State. I'm sometimes worried about these revenge games, especially when the team that that's got the revenge is supposed to is a heavy favorite. Jonathan, I mean, could this backfire in Ohio State's face? The revenge factor. What if they overcompensate? What if they try too hard and do things and try to force things and end up playing right into the hands of Virginia Tech? I think they will. I think I think Ohio State might come out a little too amped, a little too emotional, and get and get stuck on the first half. And it's going to be how they and they're able to bounce back the second half. They lost the best pass rusher, and Bosa for the first, for that game. That's huge. That is huge. I mean, you can't. You know, there, there's no way to be able to talk about how yeah. big of an impact that losing him is going to have. And then you lose uh, some of your top playmakers at the skill position. You know, due to suspension and due to injury. I mean, I, I, you know, how is this offense really going to look when you're playing with a bunch of backups in the skill position? And, it, you know, I hope, I, and I hope for, you know, the quarterback's sake, you know, whether it's Barrett or Cardale, and I think it's going to be J.T. Barrett. I think he's going to wind up starting the game. I hope Urban Meyer doesn't try to yank him if he starts looking a little shaky. Just understand the situation and go from there. I mean, if you think that, you know, putting Cardale in there would be better because he's more of a ground threat, ground threat then put him in. But if you truly think JT is the best foot, the best option going in, let him play that whole game unless he gets knocked around. You're gonna have to. You cannot start this whole con- quarterback controversy. It's gonna be a mess. Yeah, and you talk about the the impact of one player. Look at how Auburn looked on defense yesterday with Lawson out, and look how they look with him in. Uh, it's a big difference when you lose a player that impact your pass rusher. But here's the deal with this game: it's in Blacksburg. It's a night game. Bud Foster is one of the best in the business at preparing his defenses. He he just is. He's a good defensive coach, and he's had a year to prepare for this game. And, I, and I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I'm just saying let's hold off crowning Ohio State champions of the world because stranger things have happened. Tomorrow, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in Virginia Tech's offense, and that's one of the reasons I don't really pick them to win this game. Scott Leffler, the offensive coordinator, is terrible. He was at Auburn. They couldn't get a first down. That's what worries me. It's not the Virginia Tech defense, Jonathan. It's the Virginia Tech offense. How good is Ohio State's defense going to play? Or really, how good do they have to play in order to get a win tomorrow night? Ohio State's defense got to, got to play better than they did last year. The secondary can't let the receivers get behind them. Connor Brewer will expose that. Um, I mean, their secondary is going to have to lock down these receivers. And that front seven's got to be ready. Virginia Tech's got three running backs. You know, they got, they got a nice little stable there. 
So, hey, that's one thing they have to worry about. I, I, I'm calling the upset. I'm going to go Virginia Tech to win this game. It's in Blacksburg, and that's that's really why I'm going to go ahead and call this upset. And this is huge. You know, Virginia Tech wins this game. That's huge. Not only for them, but for the ACC and for the Big Ten. Huge implications there. And I, I, I just looking at it, I think the Virginia Tech defense going to wind up playing better. I think they're going to come in smarter and more sound football. And I think they got better coaching at the end of the day is what's going to be the impact in this game. And, you know, Ohio State's breaking in a new offensive coordinator. And I think that's something that a lot of people aren't really focusing on. They're breaking in a new OC. And I think that's going to have its faults. I'm really, I'm really liking Virginia Tech in this game, man. Yeah, people don't realize. Where did he go? Did he go to Houston? Where yeah. did he go? Yeah, Houston. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. He was a great – he was a, a fixture to that offense, and it makes a big difference. And and we're going to see how they operate without that guy play calling. I know Urban Meyer is a good uh, coach, but you remember when he was at Florida, Dan Mullen was the reason for his success. No doubt about it. I'll, I'll tell anybody that. And I said it when it happened, and I think last year the same thing happened. I'm just telling you, this is dangerous. Fourteen and a half is the line. I know Vegas, the perception, Ohio State. How could it not be that with how much press and publicity and winning the national championship, how everybody in the AP has been number one? Jonathan, how could they not put the line up like this? Well, I'm amazed because the line opened at, I want to say, 17 and a half, and it walked all the way down to 10 and a half after the suspensions were announced. And now it's walked itself back up to 14 and a half. I think there's a lot of Ohio State betters out there putting a lot of money on their team, and that always makes a huge difference. When you when you throw that much money on you know on your team, obviously Vegas gonna start moving the line. And Vegas knows people are gonna bet on Ohio State because they're number one. And I think this is I, I honestly think this is a great upset spot. Um, I think getting Virginia Tech at fourteen and a half, getting that extra half is gonna be huge, uh, just in case Ohio State does come ready to play. Because I still don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I don't think no matter how you look at this game, it's gonna be a blowout. Uh, I think you're going to be looking at two good football teams. You're going to be ready to play ball. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. It's going to be a fantastic game. It's going to be a great way to, to end your end your day. If there was a money line on that game, I would feel better about just taking Virginia Tech to win straight up, getting paid like ten to one on my money, than just taking the fourteen and a half because there is a good chance—not a good chance—but there's a, a realistic chance that Virginia Tech could do it. Remember, they went to Ohio State last year into their place at night and embarrassed them. Now it's coming back home. It's a big place. I've, I've been to – or excuse me, I haven't been. I've heard of people going to Blacksburg that's been to games, and I don't know if you've been or not, but you ask Florida State. It's not a. It's not an easy place to play at night. No, I've never been there. Um, I have spoken to people who played up there and who have been to games up there, and, and it's rambunctious. The crowd gets Gets a little nuts, gets a little boisterous, and I mean, if you're going to bet Virginia Tech money line, they're plus four hundred right now. Uh, you know, so I mean, it's not a bad bet. You know, laying a hundred to win four, but it, it's not as juicy as you want. Uh, I, I mean, it's that crowd, man. When they play inner Sandman, I don't think people understand how that feels when that whole stadium is vibrating and, and it's rocking. And I don't think Ohio State's truly used to that because what other atmospheres do they really deal with where the crowd is like that? I mean, maybe Wisconsin? Maybe? I don't even know if Wisconsin's up to the Virginia Tech level. Mm. I know Michigan Well, isn't. they're not as passionate about it. That's the key. You can have a huge stadium and fit 100,000 people. 
but how intense are those fans? Well, that's a big difference. Oh, exactly. Because I know Michigan Stadium is nowhere close. You know, I, I have a good friend who goes to Michigan, has season tickets, and he says stadium's not even close. And it, it, it's just like watching the game uh, in the back of a bar, in all reality, is what he calls it. Because you're just sitting there, and yeah, there's noise, but it's not, it, it doesn't hurt your ears. I mean, in Virginia Tech, it's almost mandatory little kids wear earmuffs now. <laughs> so, I mean, I just well, I, I remember going to. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, I asked Urban Meyer about coming to Auburn uh, a few years ago when they were number one at night. That place was so loud, I couldn't even hear anybody say a word, like if you were trying to talk. That's how it's going to be tomorrow night in Blacksburg. And it can, and I know these quarterbacks are supposed to be great. I thought, I thought you know, Jones caught lightning in a bottle. We'll see how they react with that crowd noise. Remember, this is not a neutral side game, which if it was, I think it would really favor Ohio State. I think they're a neutral type of team. I don't even think their home field is really a big advantage to you. I mean, I think Ohio State plays better on neutral fields than they do anywhere. But the road is going to be very unkind to these guys. It could be tomorrow night. But what do you think would happen if Virginia Tech ends up knocking them off tomorrow night? What about all these experts that are – Kiss the butt of Ohio State and Urban Meyer for an entire year. What are they going to say? Uh, I, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because if you know they are upset, it's going to be the overreaction. Virginia Tech's clearly, you know, one as a contender for national title. If Ohio State loses, oh, there you go. They're soft. The Big Ten soft. The whole conference sucks. They're not going to make the playoffs. That enough. <laughs> now, what we have to do is, as remember, Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech last year. Snuck into the playoffs and won the championship. We gotta remember yep. that. I mean, we we really and yeah, what what might have been a fluke? It might have been. If JT Barrett doesn't break his leg against Michigan, there's no guarantee that Ohio State makes the run they did. Yeah. But, but, still, they won the championship. They lose this game. I could see them sliding out of the top ten of the polls. I don't know if the voters actually do it because they're still going to go, well, last year they won the title and lost the game. And this is where that stupid yeah. quality loss, quality loss is going to bother me. When people, and people are going to talk about this. If you think it's visual, Ohio State has a quality loss. There's no thing with a quality loss. There's not. It's a loss. Not the SEC, the NFL, doesn't matter. There's no thing with a quality loss. It's a loss. You lost the game. Yeah. That's how people need to look at this. Yeah, it's a loss. And, and here's what I want to tell these teams, like even Ohio State, if they lose, the first thing you have to do if you want to make the playoff, it seems like you have to win your conference. So if you lose a non-conference game, but you can somehow manage to come back through, win. Just say if Auburn loses to LSU. Just say if they lose to LSU, they go through that schedule, they win out, they end up winning the SEC West, and they win the SEC, they're going. So you just got to win your conference. That's the main thing. Ohio State needs to focus on winning that conference Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, anybody like that have to win your conference because chances are you're not going to make the playoff unless you do, and you're not going to get left out if you do, for the most part. So it's just it's just interesting to see Ohio State can lose tomorrow night and win that sorry conference that they're in and run the table and and make it back and win it all. But to me, anybody can win two games. You get hot. But I just didn't never I never thought that Ohio State deserved and I know that word's strong, right? Deserved to play in that over TCU. I didn't. Their loss was at home against an unranked team, Virginia Tech. 
by 14 points. TCU lost on the road. They blew a big lead against Baylor. So you tell me, Jonathan, which team deserved to play in that game? Oh, I believe Baylor did too. Uh, the way you know, yeah. I, 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 I honestly looking at it, that Baylor loss obviously is more. I believe Baylor deserved to be in that playoff. And I did obviously, too. you know, I, did too. I mean, they, they technically they won their conference. And that's the Big Twelve stupid thing. Well, we're co-champions. Let's get two teams in. Let's be real. At the time, there was no way the Big Twelve was getting Baylor and TCU in the playoff. Undefeated Florida State, <laughs> SEC champion Alabama, and Pac-12 champion Oregon. You're not knocking one of those teams out. I know there was a pipe dream of, well, undefeated Florida State probably doesn't belong to me. But undefeated. Okay, take it what it was. All right, you went and out of the defending champions as well. Yeah, let's have that conversation when it comes. But it's not like Florida State just had a cakewalk of the schedule. I mean, they beat Clemson. I, they took down Oklahoma State. They beat Louisville. I mean, it's not, you know, it wasn't like, oh, well, they, they're in the conference USA. The ACC is still a big boy conference. Georgia Tech, good uh, Florida State run for the money, and then mm-hmm. dog smack Mississippi State. And you tell me how, how tough that can be, you know, how good that Florida State team was. Did they run into a broke-saw Oregon? Yeah, did they have the wrong time to string together four drives in a row with turnovers? Oh, my goodness, yes. doesn't mean they didn't belong in the playoff. And that, that's why I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. Baylor should have been in the playoff over Ohio State. Baylor lost on the road to West Virginia. That's a tough loss. West Virginia actually had a decent season last year. It took TCU down to the wire as well. That's a very good team. And Baylor last year probably should have been in the playoffs. So Ohio State got lucky they're Ohio State, and they're not Baylor or TCU. Because at the end of the day, the playoff committee said, big name school, put them in. Done. You knew you were going to get a great fan base there. And that's what happened at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think, you know, I thought TCU was the better team last year that, that would have gotten in and probably won it all, but TCU didn't deserve to go over Baylor because you know why? Baylor beat them. And that's a that's the thing. If there was no – the tiebreaker was heads up. So, truly, Baylor was the Big 12 champion. Had the Big 12 had any kind of brain cell, they would have known, like you said, they're not getting two. They should have pumped Baylor up and said – this is our one champion. You know, this is it. Baylor is. They won it. They may have possibly gotten in, but the fact is, Wisconsin laid down. Barry Alvarez's crooked Big Ten ass laid down and let them put one in them just to, to let the Big Ten go. The Big Ten's pride was so hurt, Jonathan, that they would rather lose 59 to nothing and say their conference got into the playoff than to win and cause them not to. I'm telling you. Barry Alvarez, you look up uh, are you crooked used car salesman in the dictionary. There he is. There's a picture of him. I can't stand that guy. And I'm telling you, he, they got in because Wisconsin laid down. Are you telling me Wisconsin's 59 points worse than Ohio State? Dump? This is a team that they played LSU tough first of the year. They beat Auburn in the bowl game. So I, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. People may think I'm crazy. But they didn't deserve to be in there. But we're going to roll, Jonathan. What time works for you Wednesday to do a, a program to, to go over all of our NFL projections to preview probably about 10 games upcoming in the weekend for the Any college Anytime after 5 o'clock. Anytime after 5 works for me. All right. We'll be on at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, maybe 8. I'll let you all know. But tonight's special is Labor Day. We had to get done early. But tomorrow night's going to be fun. Make sure you tune in to Virginia Tech, Ohio State. 
then week one will be in the books, Jonathan, and I'll, then I'll be able to predict my final four a little better. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good Labor Day. Be safe. Be careful. Watch out for the idiots on the roads. We'll see you Wednesday night. Take care. All right, y'all. See you.